This is episode number 86, How to Build Muscle on a Vegan Diet with Derek Simnet. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. The cleaner that I eat, the better I feel, the more energy I have, the lighter and more nutrient-dense that I keep my foods, and not eating any heavy foods rich in oil. Definitely the better I perform in the gym. I feel more of that pump that people talk about. I didn't even really know what this was before I started to build muscle and work out. Once you start putting on some muscle and you have good blood flow, you get this really crazy euphoric feeling when your muscles fill up. If I'm not eating as well, if I'm not paying attention to what I'm eating, then I notice that I don't get that same sort of effect. What's up, you awesome people? I hope your new year is off to an amazing start and you had a relaxing and fun-filled holiday season. I'm not a big New Year's resolution person, but I do set goals and try and check in with myself pretty much every month. And nutrition and healthy habits are something that is always at the top of our list of things that we want to be better at. For me, it helps to follow people, watch videos, go on social media, read books, listen to podcasts of people that inspire me. And Derek Simnet, today's guest, is one of those people. If you're not already familiar with Derek Simnet's YouTube, you should check it out. But have you ever wondered if you could build muscle on a plant-based diet? This week, I sat down with Derek to talk about his shift from being more of a skateboarder, lean runner type to calisthenics and going to the gym. Not only does Derek have a perfectly chiseled muscular physique, seriously, look at his pictures on Instagram, and inspires others to be healthier, he is also a certified nutritional practitioner. Derek's YouTube channel has almost a quarter of a million subscribers and is a great corner of the internet where you can learn workout tips, how to cook delicious plant-based meals, and see what he eats on a daily basis. Derek also offers up his own e-recipe book on his website. He makes it easier to be healthy, to eat well, and to move your body. Derek's unpretentious and easygoing demeanor makes the lifestyle that he lives feel accessible to anybody. In this episode, we talk about how Derek found his plant-based path and what made Derek decide to focus on muscle and physique. We also talk about how Derek built his YouTube channel and the most important thing about social media Tips and tricks with supplements, including questions about iron, protein, and meal planning submitted from you guys, the listeners, and how many grams of protein Derek actually eats in a day, and it might come as a surprise to you. Big shout out and thank you to those of you who are supporting my work on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash the Sonia Looney show. And an opportunity I've been giving to patrons supporting my work is in advance before I record these episodes, I actually post about who I'm going to be recording the next episode with and giving the patrons an opportunity to submit their own questions that I can ask the guests. So in this episode, we do that. And I just wanted to say a big shout out and thank you for that. Even just a couple bucks a month makes a difference. And another way you can support my work is by giving it a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And all you have to do is open up the app and scroll down and you'll see all the different stars. You can give it five stars and send a little note. And we would super appreciate that. It really helps with people finding the show and it helps me feel connected to you guys as well. Since this episode is about plant-based nutrition, I think it's a really great moment to share the Plant Power Tribe Facebook group with you guys. Many of you are already members of this 1,400-person Facebook group, but it's free, and all you have to do is find us on Facebook, Plant Power Tribe with Sonia Looney. And it's about people asking questions to each other, posting recipes, posting just healthy habits, and supporting each other as a community. So really, it's more of a community page. And there's been some really great people who have put some informative information. And I've even learned stuff on there from things that people have posted. Also, people have asked questions and the group has responded to help. So it's a really cool place to be. Plant Power Tribe on Facebook. 
And last, before we get into it, I am sending out a bi-weekly newsletter. It has two previous episodes of the podcast, and it also has a blog post from me with some how-to information on different topics that people have submitted. So some of them are mountain bike specific, some of them are health specific, some of them are mindset specific. So make sure you subscribe to my newsletter. Just go to my website, sonyalooney.com, and a pop-up will come up, and I'd really love to see you there. All right, let's get into the show with Derek Simnet. This guy is awesome, and I really love talking to him, and I think you'll really enjoy listening. Derek, this is so awesome to have you on the show. Cool. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me, and hello to everybody out there. Yeah, so I've been following your YouTube channel and your Instagram and have been following your transformation into being this really amazing strength athlete. But I'd love for you to tell everybody what your story is. Yeah, definitely. I can do that. Man, how far back do you want to go? Let's go back to like when you were doing a bunch of like running and just kind of like outdoor, um, just cardio, I guess you want to call it. Yeah, right. That's really like the start of, I guess, the more exciting part of my journey. So growing up, I played a lot of like team sports. I played hockey and I played soccer as well. So I was always really athletic. And then once I got too old for those sports, I mean, not too old, but like I wasn't used to playing a team sport at a non-competitive level. It was kind of frustrating for me. So I picked up some solo sports and I'd always been skateboarding on the side, but now I was able to do it um, without the fear of like getting injured and not being able to do the sport that I was doing. And then also like running was another favorite of mine because uh, it was something that I could do year round, whether the ground was dry or wet or whatever. And skateboarding definitely was that, wasn't that. So I started running a lot and got really into it and I uh, didn't do too many timed runs or anything, but I was just out there in the trails and I just loved seeing, uh, you know, the, the environment around us and just exploring. And I just uh, thought it was so cool to be able to like get out there and exercise and get to see all these things at the same time. So fast forward a few years and I started to toy with like the idea of veganism and I was like, I was sold on it. I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to honor my health and wanted to honor the environment. And of course I was an animal lover. So that was like an easy decision for me. So I started to eat less meat, started to eat more plants. And I started to like feel better. A lot of the joint pain and stuff that I was suffering from, uh, a lot of ankle pain when I was running was starting to go away. And I was really loving that. And I was like, I was convinced. I'm like, you know what? There's definitely something to eating more plants. This is definitely a good thing. And once I started to try and put my message out there to people saying, you know, like, hey, if you're an athlete or whatever, you should try eating like more plant-based or just for anybody. A lot of the pushback that I was getting was from a lot of dudes. And they would be like, yeah, sure. You know, that diet might work for you, but I want to put on some muscle. I want to make some gains and (laughs) um, I don't want to look like a runner. Right. And it's not I don't think that there's anything wrong with looking like lean and, you know, and strong, you know, and, and being good at running, of course. But I saw that that was a huge major roadblock for me. And I'm like, I wanted to prove it to myself as well that I could sort of build some muscle on this diet. So I hate calling it a diet on this lifestyle, let's say. So I wasn't really fond of the idea of going to the gym or anything. And, uh, you know, just being outside all the time in nature, I was like, I can't just like stop running in nature and then just like go to the gym full time. Like it just didn't seem like a, you know, very nice like jump for me. So when I was outside, I start to like run to schools or to like places in the forest that had horizontal branches that I knew I could do like pull-ups on. Cause I've always just been like climbing and stuff ever since I was a kid. And I knew like As long as I'm putting my body through some resistance, it's probably going to have to adapt and it's going to grow some muscle. So I started doing that. So my runs started to be more like just exploring the forest and like climbing trees and then like going to different parks and stuff and, you know, playing on the playground equipment there. I mean, I say playing, but I was doing, you know, sets and reps of pull ups and chin ups and all that. And I started to put on some muscle and it happened pretty quickly. And I realized that I started to get more eyes on me because I was never like a great runner or anything like that. Nobody was ever going to be like, oh, man, this guy can run 21 minute 5K. He's like, I want to be just like him. But it was it was cool that some eyes started to come on to me once I started to you know change my physique. So I realized like, hey, there's really something to this. There's also something to calisthenics as well that it's like also like quite good at building up our strength and our core foundation and everything. And it was fun for me because I got to continue to be outside. So I started making that my main focus and just doing that rather than running and um, shifted my whole focus, started to eat more and I kept on like building muscle. And that's kind of what's brought me to the point where I am today. And eventually my body weight started to get quite light for the movements that I was performing. So rather than just plain calisthenics, I started to do more weighted calisthenics. 
and we can get into more details on this sort of stuff if you want as well. But uh, from there, I kind of I moved away from the place where I was actually like working out at the time, which was a nice, beautiful outdoor calisthenics park. And I didn't really have access to that anymore. So I started going to the gym and mixing it up a little bit and using a bit of weights along with the weighted calisthenics. And I've continued to get stronger and, and grow my body. And, you know, as I get older here, approaching like my mid thirties, most people are going the other way, you know, and I just continue to get stronger and it feels really good. And I'm just doing stuff that I love and helping to motivate people along the way. That's so cool. So whenever yeah. <laughs> you started like packing on muscle, were you actually changing your diet, like trying to add in different things to make those gains or did it just happen naturally based on what you're already eating? No, I definitely changed the way that I was eating. You know, when I got into veganism, it was a really sort of high carb, really high carb, you know, low fat approach, which was great for the long distance stuff and great for running and staying lean. But it wasn't really conducive to like getting, you know, a ton of protein and, you know, excess of calories, at least for me, the way that I was eating at the time. So, yeah, I definitely started to incorporate more higher protein foods, you know, some of the fake meats and then a lot of beans, a lot of lentils and then just like more cooked foods, a lot more rice and quinoa. Yeah, those types of foods and uh, trying to eat like as much as I could. And I was hungry at the time. My body had never really gone through any changes like that. Like I've been pretty lean all my life. And uh, yeah, I got super, super hungry during that time. And yeah, I was just eating, never really tracking anything. Uh, I know a lot of people really like to like track their calories and their macros and that. But I've always done it in a more sort of intuitive way where, you know, I just kind of eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full. And if I want to increase, you know, my weight or the muscle that I'm building, I just increase the caloric density of the food by, you know, having more things like I just mentioned, beans, rice, lentils, tofu is another one. Yeah. Cool. And how did you switch from skateboarding to running? <laughs> well, it wasn't really that much of a, like, it wasn't that I switched. It was just kind of like, as I got older and I got better at skateboarding, it was getting more dangerous because I was using bigger obstacles and my body wasn't quite recovering as well as it would have, or as it, you know, used to years ago. So yeah, it was really just that. And I kind of felt like it was kind of similar to running where it's like self-motivated and you know some people have running coaches and that sort of thing but not the level that I was at just some guy running through the forest but yeah that's kind of what it was for me was that like you got to just you got to be self-motivated and you got to tell yourself to get out there and you got to do it mm -hmm. awesome so when did you decide to start your youtube channel and document this transformation it's kind of a cool story as to why I started the YouTube channel. And yeah, it was a little bit to document my transformation, but it was mostly to drive traffic towards my nutrition consulting services. So during this time, I had gone to school for holistic nutrition. And that's what I was studying when I kind of started to make the transition into veganism. And actually, it was it was before that. Sorry, I should say it was before that that I had made the transition. But it was when I started to sort of build muscle. And that's when I was going to school for holistic nutrition. And I thought, what a better way to get a niche market, you know, to get their eyes on me than to start a YouTube channel. And I can like put out all the information there of like how of what I'm about, the people that I want to help, I can put a bunch of free information out there as well. And then people that resonate with that or want my coaching can then reach me really easily just in like the description box below. So that's how it all started. And it wasn't so much documenting my transformation at all. And um, once I saw that people were really resonating with my message of just kind of like continuing to play and just have fun with our workouts and not be so serious and regimented, that's when I realized that like I have to start putting more time into this YouTube channel because I was able to reach so many more people with a positive message and help more people through that avenue than just through my one-on-one -on -one consulting services where I was only able to, you know, help a certain amount of people per month. So it was really that was the the catalyst for me to like start my channel and continue it. And I guess that was probably about three years ago now that I started that channel. Wow. Yeah. And you have like a quarter of a million subscribers, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. It was, I was pretty lucky when I got in, it was uh, at a good time when there weren't, uh, it wasn't quite so saturated, you know, and I just kind of did it on a whim. And I think it, the fact that I did it for the right reasons was that like, I wanted to help people. I didn't do it to like get YouTube famous or anything like that. I wasn't using any like clickbait. It was just like, I just wanted to put some good information out there, help motivate people to get, you know, healthier, show them what I'm doing on my plant-based diet, and then maybe get some clients as well. And I think because I had that sort of, that mentality behind it, it really helped me keep my message like authentic. And not too like flashy or show showy or anything like that. And, you know, yeah, it just started to grow, grow slowly. And it started to 
just kind of snowball. And yeah, it was really exciting when that was when that was all happening. It slowed down a little bit now, but there's always there's always growth. <laughs> so what advice would you give somebody who decided like today that they started a YouTube channel? Like, would you advise people trying to like create titles and thumbnails and all the things that you have to do on YouTube to get attention? Or would you say focus yeah. on your core message first and hope that the rest will follow? Well, I think if, if they're deciding to start today, I think that's the most important part. Like beyond that, you'll figure everything else out. But I think, and maybe what you have found as well, I know for me, we create so many roadblocks in our head as to why we shouldn't start something. It's like, okay, I'm going to wait until I get the perfect like podcast recording equipment before I start this podcast, you know, and I'm going to wait until I have all these guests lined up and like all these good questions before I start. And that's how at least, I'm not saying that's how you were, but I'm sure that some of that went through your mind. That's how I was with my YouTube channel. It was always like, oh, I can't afford a camera yet. But once I can afford a really good camera, then I'm going to start my channel. And and it was, you know, it was always these sort of hurdles until one day I just kind of realized like, hey, I've got to just start this and I got to get the message out there. So I just took my phone and I started recording like on my phone. So it goes beyond, it goes before people even starting their channel is like my advice would be to start something now. Don't wait until you have all your ducks in line because you won't ever have everything in line in order for you to be happy to start. And you just have to start and it's the content that matters. The quality will come. You'll learn how to do everything along the way. But if somebody did start their channel today and they said, I'm going to do this today, it all depends on the audience. Uh, I think that they want to they want to bring in. But I think the most important thing is putting a lot of free information out there and then just giving the option to give a little tiny bit back in return. And I think that's a really good way to create a successful channel. And that's what I was doing when I first started. I was like, hey, like, here's some really healthy foods to eat. These are why we should be eating them. Here's how to cook them. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this video and the information I'm putting out there. If you guys want to consulting with me, then my information is down below. So it's like you give them information and then just, you know, if they want to give some back, if they want to give some energy back, some money back or whatever it might be to you, then they can do that. But it's, you know, it's always just kind of optional, right? And I think, but giving is, I think, a really big part of it, of starting a YouTube channel. Give value. Don't just do it for like self-gratifying reasons. Awesome. And I just have one more question about YouTube and then I want to move on. But yeah. you mentioned like, oh, the growth is slowing down. And I've had I've had other YouTubers on here and also, you know, on social media, like things change all the time. So like whenever you see things slowing down, how do you deal with that initial feeling of, oh, crap, like it's slowing down or am I not good enough anymore? Or is there too much competition? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's a real tough battle to go through as a YouTuber, and especially for me. My message has been so consistent from the very beginning. Like I have not wavered. I haven't done anything extreme. You know, I've never tried any crazy different avenues of the vegan diet or, or anything like that. So, you know, it's just inevitable that people are going to get sort of bored of your message. So you do have to kind of reinvent yourself. But then you start wondering, it's like, am I just doing this? for views or to make my channel grow? Or do I actually want to live this way or do these things? So that's definitely like something that I battle all the time. And I'm really bad at looking at like the analytics and all that sort of stuff. I don't look at them very much. And I know a lot of people that really look at them and they're like, look, this video that I did did really well with this type of thumbnail. And my face was this big in the picture and the food was this big. And I mean, I just don't have the energy to look at that kind of stuff. I'm just like, my thought is just like, if I just make good content and I put it out there, that's honest with a good message, you know, hopefully the people that I want to receive that message will and the rest can just like take it or leave it. I don't really care. But yeah, there's definitely like an element to that for sure. And I don't really have an answer as to like how to navigate through that. You just have to kind of decide for yourself whether, you know, you want to try to just start doing like clickbaity things to get more views to completely change up what you're doing just to get more views or, or continue along your way. So for me, I think the interesting thing with my channel is that like I get a consistent amount of views on all my videos and it's not like one video will just kind of like spike and go viral or another one. So what I think happens is that there's just like a constant like sort of revolving door of people that come in and they see what I'm all about and they get the information that they need and then they kind of leave. And then while that's happening, there's new people coming in seeing what I, and I don't know how long these people stick around for or how, whatever it is, but uh, that seems to be how it it works with me. And I'm okay with that. I don't need to have like the biggest numbers or anything out there. Just want to help people and motivate, you know, get that message out there of move your body, eat more fruits and vegetables. You can do it. <laughs> that sort awesome. of thing. Yeah. yeah. And something I really like about your videos is you actually show people how to cook things. And that's a big question I get all the time is like, well, how do I mm -hmm. actually do it? And I haven't actually done any like cooking type videos. So it's great to be able to send people over to you and say like, this is how you <laughs> do it. He'll show you exactly what to do. 
Yeah, I do. I enjoy those videos. The cooking videos seem to do really well. And yeah, I love doing like the what I eat in a day videos because people just love to see what people are eating. Like, I don't know how many more times people can watch me have like a smoothie bowl, oatmeal (laughs) and a stir fry for dinner. But it seems like people never get tired of it. And of course, I always change it up and give little different tidbits of information, you know, throughout it. But yeah, people love seeing seeing what I eat. I love to cook. And I, you know, I hate not bragging or nothing, but I do have a knack for it. I do have like, I don't know how it happened. I never took any lessons or anything like that in in cooking. But uh, just I've made enough things that I know what flavors go together now. And it's so cool when I see people like tagging me in the recipes that I've made. You really see that, you know, the effort that you're putting in is is actually like worth it. And people are actually making these meals. It's really, really neat to see. Yeah. And you also have a cookbook. It's like an e-cookbook online that people can buy, right? Yeah. It's a recipe ebook. People were asking for it. And I'm like, hey, like all the stuff that I make is on my YouTube channel, but people wanted it in like a concise format that was, you know, with the macros and the mounts and all that. Cause often I'm just like, oh yeah, put a, you know, a half a spoonful of this in and, you know, a handful of that. And I, I don't really measure my food. I mean, we're not, you know, for the most part baking here, it's just making, you know, some simple dinners and, and lunches, but, uh, People really enjoyed that, and um, I was worried when I put it out, like, oh, there's not going to be enough value here because you know, half the recipes are already out there, and and um, nobody complained once about it. And I'm actually making another one right now. I'm kind of in the midst of it, and whenever I'll do a video on YouTube and I'll make something and put the exact amounts and everything, people will still message in the comments down below and say, hey, this is going to be in your upcoming ebook, right? And I'm like, well, no, it wasn't going to be because I just gave you the recipe, but sure, if you guys, if, if you want it to be, it can be. Awesome. So what role does the food that you eat play a role in how your body looks? Because I don't know how it is on the strength side, but um, on the endurance side, like people say, oh, well, like I did a three hour ride, so now I can eat whatever I want. And I've been trying to Mm. dispel that myth of you can't just eat whatever you want just because you're exercising a lot, even if it's plant based foods, like you need to be eating like really wholesome, good food. So on your end, how does that look? I think you can eat a pretty bad diet and look pretty good. I think that like the bodybuilding world has proved that, uh, that you don't have to, (laughs) yeah, you don't have to eat the greatest diet to look good. But yeah, a lot of people do think that they can sort of outwork, you know, an unhealthy diet and, uh, you definitely can't, maybe you can for a while, but your health will start to degrade if it's not the physical appearance of your body. And then that will in turn, you know, hamper your training and eventually, yeah, things will go downhill. But for me, definitely notice the cleaner that I eat, the better I feel, the more energy I have, the lighter and more nutrient dense that I keep my foods and not eating any heavy foods rich in oil. Definitely the better I perform in the gym. I feel more of that pump that people talk about. I didn't even really know what this was before I started to build muscle and work out. I never really realized what it was. But yeah, once you start putting on some muscle and you have good blood flow, you get this really crazy euphoric feeling when your muscles fill up. I'm sure it's really similar to a runner's high or biker's high or whatever. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool feeling. And I definitely notice it. If I'm not eating as well, if I'm not paying attention to, to what I'm eating, then I notice that I don't get that same sort of effect. Yeah. So in the pictures of you, you mentioned that you were more of like a leaner runner and you went to more of like a bulked up strength athlete. Um, and you correct me if I'm saying this wrong, because like, that's not really my world. So I don't know the lingo. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned high carb diet when you were a runner. So were you eating like whole grain carbs? Because your body looks quite a bit different now. And how different is your diet in terms of mm. carbohydrate intake and protein intake compared to what it was when you were doing mostly running? You know, I still eat a a high carbohydrate diet if you really look at like the macronutrient split. And that's just, you know, by nature, plant foods are rich in carbohydrates, like even beans, which people think of as a source of protein, which they are a great source of protein. I mean, they're still like 70 percent carbs. You know, I still eat a high carb diet, but I don't really call it that because I don't like these labels and stigmas, you know, within the the vegan world. I think there's too much like infighting yeah. as it is already. So I just like to say, you know, a primarily whole foods plant based diet and, you know, it's just high in carb by nature. But yeah, before when I got into veganism, it was more of the sort of it was a lot of the 80, 10, tenors that got me into it. 80, 10, 10 being the macronutrient ratio, 80 percent mm. carbs, 10 percent fat, 10 percent protein. And it's a. Uh, it's a very low protein, low fat approach. Basically, if you're just eating fruits and vegetables, very little nuts and seeds, tiny bit of avocado, 
you'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely changed a lot where it's sort of more, I would say now it's like 70% of my calories come from carbs and then the rest is split pretty evenly between fat and protein. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem like a huge shift, but definitely went from probably eating about like 65 grams of protein in a day to around 100 now. Mm-hmm. So definitely like upped it quite a bit. And um, do you mind me asking how much you weigh? No, I'm just a little guy. I only weigh 145 pounds. Mm-hmm. So that's um like 60, around 64 kilograms, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Because that's always important to put that into context when we're talking about grams. You know, that's why the macronutrient, the ratios are, are you know, not so bad. But yeah, when you talk about uh, the actual amounts, it's important to put my size and weight into it. Yeah, because that's a question that I get all the time. Like people do ask, where do you get your protein? And we, I do want to like, you already kind of mentioned where you do, but I'm going to ask it again in terms of protein powders and things like that. But yep. a lot of times, yeah, people say, how much protein do you actually need? And I actually, I weigh 130 pounds and I actually try to get 90 to hundred grams a day as well. And I'm not a, a strength yep. athlete. So like, what should people try to optimally do when they're trying to calculate how much protein they need? And I think you also have to take into account like total calories as well. Like if you're if you're in a surplus, I don't think that the amount of protein that you you know that you require is quite as high as if you're in a deficit. For me, I think it ends up being around one point six grams per kilogram of body weight is what I get up to in, as far as like protein goes. So that'll apply to anybody, no matter sort of what weight they are. And in the bodybuilding world, it's much higher than that is like the the general standard. And if, you know, if I were to eat more protein, could I be bigger? You know, it's a question I can't really answer. I don't really know, but I'm definitely far beyond the limit of, you know, the amount of muscle that I'm holding than I ever thought was possible. So I'm not going to go and just like, you know, start eating a whole bunch more protein just, you know, for the sake of trying to get more muscle on. It's not, not where I'm at right now. But yeah, I would say... I would say that 1.6 grams per kilo, I would say it's a good number for people who are trying to build muscle. And uh, if you're in a bit of a surplus, then yeah, you'll definitely be able to gain with that. Yeah, I just want to plug Brenda Davis's book. She's been on the podcast as well. And she's a friend of mine. Um, Her book is Becoming Vegan. And she has an entire chapter dedicated to the vegan athlete. And she goes into detail men versus women, like endurance versus strength and how much protein, protein, how many macronutrients, and even possibly supplementation you might need. And that was a question that, so I have a Facebook group called Plant Power Tribe. It's a free Facebook Mm -hmm. group. And one of the questions that people asked was, do you supplement with anything? Yeah, I do supplement for sure. Vitamin B12, I would say is a must for anybody. I mean, it's not just vegans who become B12 deficient, although we're at higher risk of it. There's a, a large amount of the population out there who is, you know, eating a standard American diet or even a healthy diet that contains meat and fish and stuff who are B12 deficient. So that one for sure. Vitamin D as well. If you live in, you know, anywhere north of California, basically, and you get four seasons, you want to be taking vitamin D in the wintertime. And then beyond that, I do take like a, a consume like a protein powder. I'll just have a scoop of that a few times a week after my hard workouts. And then if I don't, generally I'll make up that protein elsewhere. Like I'll just eat more throughout the day and I'll, I'll be able to make it up. So it's not really that essential, I would say, to my total protein intake at the end of the day, but it definitely helps and it, it is convenient. And beyond that, there isn't too much that I consume. I mean, if I'm, it depends on the time of year. Like if I'm having allergies or something like that, then I'll have, you know, something for that, some sort of natural herb. Stinging nettle is a really good one for that, for that. And uh, it seems to happen to me right before winter comes around. I don't know if there's a mold or something in the air, but I get terrible sinus, like mm. inflammation, like, you know, allergic rhinitis kind of symptoms. And I find that that helps a lot. But yeah, beyond that, not too much. I will dabble in the creatine every once in a while. And I'm a bit torn on it because I know it's like one of the most well-studied sports supplements out there. And it's generally recognized as safe with, you know, very minimal side effects. However, you know, for me, being someone who enjoys the whole foods and appreciates that lifestyle, I know that anything isolated like that, especially a nutrient that we're primarily getting from meat, when it's isolated down like that, it's going to be going into our body in an unbalanced way. And it's definitely going to pose risks. So it's not something that I promote to people because I think unless you're a really like finely tuned athlete at a pretty high level, and you already have all your other ducks in line. I don't think that like creatine is something that people should just like jump on because they think they're going to, you know, they think they're going to start going to the gym next week or they've been working out for a month and they just want to get like extra gains. It's like, wait until you're at 
you know, near your potential and then let that be the extra sort of 2% to get you there. But yeah, that's really it as far as um, supplementation goes for me. You know, I've worked with like BCAAs before and I think that they can serve a purpose at a certain time or place. You know, primarily if you're like trying to cut weight or your calories are restricted for a certain amount of time, you're trying to maintain muscle and strength. I think that BCAAs can help there. But yeah, not, you know, not too much other than that. Awesome. And there's a guy yeah. on my Patreon, Mike Schaefer, and he asked, is it better to use veggie-based protein powders or bars to hit your protein goal? Or should you just eat food? Like, do you use the protein powder because it's quick? Or is there actually a benefit to doing that overeating food? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that it can be done with food, like 100%. It can be done with food. So, you know, you can save your money, I guess, and just spend it on food. But you know, it does have different amino acids in there that um, not different amino acids, but a different ratio of amino acids. Like leucine is quite high in plant-based proteins. And that's a, you know, somewhat difficult amino acid to get. I shouldn't say difficult, but it's one of the amino acids that's somewhat low on a plant-based diet. And it's one of the, you know, ones that are more important for muscle growth and muscle synthesis. So, you know, it might help a tiny bit, but it's kind of like goes back to like the creatine thing. Like it's, you know, it's only a such a small percentage, if that. And yeah, if you have all your other, you know, the rest of your diet, your training and everything in line, I don't think it's essential. Yeah, I was testing out some BCAAs last year. I was taking beta alanine and leucine because I do a lot of multi-day races, multi-day yep. stage races. And for me, it was kind of like scary because I'm like putting in all these like pills or, or powders into my body. And then I'm getting drug tested. I'm just like, Oh my God, like, what if this is something in it? It's not supposed to have like, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I've stopped taking those supplements just because the the anxiety around getting drug tested and having something go wrong just like was freaking me out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, yeah, if, it, if it gets you that extra half a second and you win, <laughs> but then you, you get disqualified, it's definitely not worth it. And that happens in the supplement industry. Like we've all heard the stories of things being tainted and I watch a little bit of MMA and it's like the fighters are always getting busted for using performance enhancing drugs. And their excuse is always like, oh, well, I was taking a supplement that was tainted with it. So who knows if that's the real story or not there. But yeah. it definitely like does happen. And I think that you're yeah, you're right to do that. I know that there are supplements out there, though, that are I think it's the athlete's choice checkmark that they mm -hmm. get. And they're really strictly tested for anything like that. Any sort of hormones or, or anything that you wouldn't want in there. Any banned substances. That's what it is. Yeah. So yeah, I did read about leucine being like a really powerful for muscle recovery. Right. So do you yeah. like, do you mix all these or, or not all these things? Do you mix your protein powder into your smoothies then? Yeah, I definitely do. Just before we go on though, you can get leucine in very good amounts from tofu and tempeh. And also like most beans are quite high in leucine. Just so we're not thinking that the only source is um, awesome, protein thanks. powder out there. Yeah, yeah. thanks for clarifying. But, uh, <laughs> like after my workout, that's the like one thing for sure I've been consistent with is always having a big fruit smoothie after my workouts and quite often put a scoop of protein powder in there. But for me, people always seem to be worried so much about protein after the workout. Like, and I'm at the gym, I see guys who are always shaking up their like protein and water shakes after a workout. And don't get me wrong, protein is important, but I think right after you finish a workout, carbs and refueling glycogen. that lost glycogen <laughs> is like so much more important than just slamming in some protein. You get the rest of the day to do that. So for me, it's always been like a big smoothie full of bananas. So I usually put like three bananas in there, sometimes even more if I have had a big workout, a handful of frozen berries, a couple dates as well some flaxseed or hemp seed for those omega-3s, a big handful of greens. I really like herbs because they're just such a powerful and dense like green, but anything will work, kale or, or lettuce or whatever you want to put in there. A bit of almond milk and then a scoop of plant-based protein powder, blend it all up. And it's just, I look forward to it so much. It's like having like ice cream or milkshake or whatever so after your workouts. It is, it's just so good. And it's always helped me to recover like so well. Like they're, you know, later on in the day, I'm like, man, I really wish that I pushed it harder in the gym because like, I want to be sore right now. I want to be tired and I'm not. And then I'll look back and it's like, man, I went for it for like an hour and a half in the gym. Like I couldn't have gone any harder or any longer. And yeah, it's pretty amazing how well that helps you to recover, you know, all the anti-inflammatory compounds that are in the berries and then just the, yeah, the natural sugars that are in the fruit. Mm, so good. I actually just finished a smoothie bowl just now from my now, workout. Now you're making me hungry. Yeah. yeah and you, you, you like post those on your Instagram too. So people can go over to your Instagram and find some of those smoothies that you make. 
Yeah, I try and post it just to kind of give people ideas and show them what I'm up to. I try and be quite active on my stories. I'm better on my stories than I am actually like posting on Instagram because now it's I don't know. I just everyone posts such beautiful food, like food photos Mm -hmm. that I just whenever I look at mine through the camera, I'm just like, man, this is nothing compared to what's out there. I know you mean I have a I started a like a plant power tribe food Instagram account. Yep. And I'll post a picture. I'm like, uh, that doesn't look that good. Like compared to some of the <laughs> other stuff out there. <laughs> no, I know. So I'm not, I don't know how, like sometimes I'll see stuff and I'm like, do you actually eat the food like that? You know, like they'll have like a whole avocado that's just chopped in half on top of their salad. I'm like, what's that? What good is that doing you? But I understand it's for the photo. I know it's crazy. So I wanted <laughs> to ask you actually about soy because you mentioned putting almond milk in your smoothie. But a big question people ask me all the time is like, oh, like, is soy safe? And my answer is, yeah, like you as long as you're eating like non GMO organic soy, like you're good. But as a man, do people ask you about that and have concerns about that? I get it all the time, (laughs) all the time, always about the phytoestrogens. So people don't even call them that, though, because they don't know there's differences between like phytoestrogens and mammalian estrogens or xenoestrogens as well that we get in plastics and, you know, other things that are environmental toxins. But no, it's not like you have to eat so much soy in order for it to negatively affect your hormones uh, as a man that you just won't eat that much. It's many, many servings per day. And another another risk is that it will raise your IGF-1 levels. IGF-1 is a risk factor for cancer. And that doesn't happen unless you're eating something like five or six servings or more per day of soy. And that would be three quarters of a block to a block of tofu every day, you know, always (laughs) sort of thing. Yeah. So that's not happening. And it's a great source of so many things. And not only that, it's been shown to be protective against many hormonal cancers, like breast cancer in women, for one, and prostate cancer in men. No, I think it's a healthful food. Try to find it GMO, of course, when you can, because it's good for the planet as long as well as us too. But I do, I so often get that and people are you know, I always just laugh because I, I remember thinking about it and I remember learning that like hops in beer has more of those phytoestrogens in it than soy does. Hmm. And I remember being at like this barbecue or whatever and I had some like soy dogs or something with soy on it on the barbecue and people were drinking beer all around me and somebody brought that up and they were like, dude, they were like, I wouldn't eat one of those soy dogs. I'm going to get man boobs. And meanwhile, they were like drinking like a beer. Like, I knew the information then, but I was too shy to like put it out there. But I'm like thinking in my head, like, you don't even know it. you're drinking more phytoestrogens right now than I'm going to be consuming in this soy burger or whatever it was. I just thought it was kind of funny. But, you know, if it does worry you, you don't have to eat soy in order to eat a plant-based diet. Sure, it's convenient and it's in a lot of the packaged products, but you could live a totally healthful life without having soy if, if it really worries you. But no, I mean, I've been consuming soy for seven years now and I don't have any signs of, you know, gynecomastia or, or you know, man boobs or whatever they call them. So, yeah, I don't worry about it. Awesome. And yeah, I have a question actually in terms of masculinity, because a lot of men are like my meat, like I'm a man if I eat my steak. And some people it's just hard to let go of that feel like they're not masculine if they start eating plant based. So like, what do you say to people when they bring that up to you? I mean, I get it in the comments, you know, because there's no filter on YouTube comments, but I don't really get that in like real life ever. Nobody really says that to me. But yeah, it's definitely out there. And there's not much like that. You know, of course, I could be like snickety and and be like, oh, is it such a feminine thing to like care about animals and the environment and this? But that's like, you know, at the end of the day, I just I'm not going to change that person's mind if that's the way that they're coming to me masculinity is is quite frail with a lot of people. And um, I actually did another podcast recently, Nimai's podcast, Nimai Delgado. He has a podcast called Generation V. It's great as well. And we talked about that, me, him, and, and John Venus about like what it means to be masculine in today's world. And it's like, here we are like empowering people, showing them how, you know, how to live healthier, more fulfilling lives. And people are going to come and criticize us for not being masculine. Like what can be more masculine than helping to bring others up around you? I just don't get it. Like I, I don't see it, but I don't know what to say about it all. It's, it's silly. I've never felt that I'm like an overly masculine, like alpha man. And I know that a lot of people are really concerned about that. For me, it's just never been an issue. I just, I am who I am and <laughs> that's all I'll ever be. Yeah. And I mean, everybody has their own opinion, but it seems to me like one of the definitions and not just of being masculine, but just being a whole human is like 
that stuff doesn't matter. Like you don't need to be the alpha or like to come across as the alpha to feel like you're worthy. No, that's a whole other conversation, but it's something that I think about too. (laughs) No, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. So I have a couple other nutrition questions that people have asked. So plant-based iron sources, I know, like I feel silly asking because I've spent so much time researching this myself, but I think a lot of people don't realize that people that eat standard American diet or just like what you said, a healthy diet with animal products in it also can be iron deficient. And it's not just like a vegan problem. But what are your favorite sources of plant-based iron? Yeah, right. I think you make a good point for sure, because my sister, she was never vegan and she's always had problems with iron throughout her life. And any girlfriend that I dated before I was vegan, you know, they weren't vegan they all had like iron problems. And I know it's more common in girls, you know, because of your cycle and that sort of thing. But it's definitely not a vegan only issue that we should be thinking about. So first of all, when you're talking about iron, you always have to mention that if you consume it with vitamin C rich foods, that the iron is better absorbed. So that's something important to remember. And we think of vitamin C as like oranges a lot of the time. So it's like, oh, I got to have like beans and oranges together. Like what kind of mixes that? But like there's vitamin C in so many foods, right? Like red peppers, broccoli, spinach has vitamin C. So you can have those other vegetables. You know, you probably are having vitamin C at your meal, but to have them together, it's important to kind of think about that if you do want to bring your iron levels up. But yeah, black beans are one of the best sources of iron out there for sure. Dark leafy greens are another really rich source. Whole grains are another one, even whole grain bread and stuff. If you eat that, another really good source of it. You can get some from things like spirulina and other superfoods. If you're really trying to bring your levels up, curry leaf is actually a really super rich source of easily absorbable iron. And you can actually get that as like a supplement, but it would be like it's considered a food because it's just like the crushed curry leaf. I don't think many people would just eat it, but uh, that's another really good source. Oh, man, you put me on the spot here. There's probably so many that I'm forgetting that I'll afterwards I'll be like, man, why didn't I think of those um, sources of iron? But I think that's yeah, definitely a lot. like. Yeah, think of the the lentils and the beans. Definitely good sources. Yeah, so when you're trying to plan a meal, like, and you're looking at your plate, so I'm just thinking about how I do it. Like, do you think in advance, like, I want to have these key items on my plate at every meal? Or how do you plan your meal? Right. So first thing I usually think of is, like, what's going bad in the fridge that I have to cook? (laughs) And I'll make, like, my food around that. But with that out of the way, for me, it's usually, like, source of calories first. And then is that source of calories a good source of protein? And if it isn't, then I'm like, hey, what kind of protein source can I add to this meal? So let's just say, you know, I'm going to have brown rice as like the base of, of a, I'm just decide I'm going to have that as like my calories for the meal, right? Does it have a lot of protein in it? Eh, not too much protein. So what can I have with it that's going to give me a good little bump in protein? I've already got the energy there from the um, the brown rice. So maybe I'll have some tempeh with it or some tofu, or hey, maybe I'll mix some black beans in there as well. And then it's like, boom, okay, we've got the foundation of the dish. And now I'll look in the fridge and what kind of greens do I have in there that I can throw in like a, you know, and stir fry, you know, in order to bump up the nutrient density of that. And then from that, I'm like, hey, what can I do to make this tasty and delicious? And usually that would be some sort of sauce. So then while that's cooking, I'll make a sauce. Usually that would be you know, a base of like avocado is a really great way if you're going to blend your sauce to make like a really nice thick sauce. What I try and do is make the sauce actually like part of the meal rather than just make this meal and then have this like store-bought sauce that's like, you know, just really high in like oil and sugar and just, you know, added calories and no nutrients, you know, and you're trying to just not have much of that on your food. But like everybody who doesn't like, you know, good saucy food. So for me, I'm like, I'm going to just build this right into like the whole meal. So I'll put, I'll throw a half avocado into the blender and then I'll put in some spices, garlic powder, onion powder, a bit of salt, some pepper, maybe some Italian spice or something like that. Something sweet. So I'll put in some dates or maybe a bit of maple syrup if I don't have any dates, but usually I'll have dates in there. A bit of mustard that helps keep everything emulsified and together. A little bit of water. Uh, maybe some apple cider vinegar, blend that up, boom, you got a sauce and you could use that whole thing in the meal. So you're just eating this amazingly like rich stir fry with so much sauce and you don't have to feel guilty about it. It's so amazing. A quick tip to everybody out there in order to make a good sauce. I always talk about this on my YouTube channel, but I'll give you guys the tip now. I try and hit on like three different flavors and it's sweet, salty and sour or tangy. And if you can nail those three flavors when you're making a sauce, then you've probably got it dialed. So like I mentioned that this one's sweet, 
throw a date in there, salty. You could throw in some soy sauce or some tamari or some of that liquid aminos or even just some salt. And then tangy, put in some apple cider vinegar. And that is a really good sort of base for the sauce. And then from there, some spices, a bit of avocado, some water to get it all going. Boom. Awesome. That's such great advice. Yeah. Yeah, So like (laughs) as athletes, a big question that people have a lot of the time is like, oh, well, I tried eating a plant-based diet and I felt tired or I didn't feel good. And as a nutrition coach, like what are the reasons for that? Do you think? And also what are some other common issues that people have when they come to you? Definitely the biggest one is under eating, right? A lot of people come over to this plant-based diet from eating traditional Western diet or the standard American diet, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of the food is very dense in calories, you know, cheese, meat, eggs, all that is very, very dense sources of of calories. And you don't realize how much more plant foods that you have to eat that are really rich in fiber and water to make up for those calories. So most people just under eat. And that's the biggest thing that I see when people will say that they don't have enough energy or they're losing strength or losing size or muscle or whatever, is that they're just not eating enough. So I hate tracking my food, but if you need to, when you first start eating more plant-based, I think finding an app or a program like Chronometer is like my favorite one, but people use my fitness pal as well. And just be like really honest with yourself and put in everything that you eat and find out what your maintenance amount of calories would be and just do that for a few days until you really know what's up and make sure that you are eating enough and you'll probably be surprised at how much volume you need to eat. So that would be like the biggest one. You know, it is just like calories. If people are like, oh, I wasn't gaining strength because I don't think I was having enough protein. Well, that comes back to you probably weren't eating enough calories. <laughs> You'll get enough protein if you eat enough calories for sure. Yeah. Like as long as you're eating whole foods, like healthy whole mm-hmm. foods is like you're pretty much guaranteed to get everything that you need. And who doesn't want to yeah. eat more? Seriously. <laughs> I know. I know. That's what I always ask that when people say to me, oh, my gosh, you have to eat so much. And it's like, what? Do you not like to eat? <laughs> like, holy crap. But of course, there's ways to to make your food like more dense in calories, like, of course, like blending them, having like smoothies or smoothie bowls is a good way. Of course, upping the fats is another way. Um, I really like when I'm trying to sort of, you know, put on weight or whatever. I don't really go through series of bulking and cutting. But when I am trying to, I'll, I'll like do a lot of like mashed foods, so kind of like baby food, but like obviously with much more mature tastes. But like I'll do like refried beans rather than eating regular beans. So I don't think they're really refried. They're more like sauteed blended beans, but something like that, right? Rather than just eating the beans on their own, I'll put them in the blender with some spices and touch of water, blend it up, and I'll be able to eat so much more like that. Even if you throw a little bit of avocado in there too, just to up those calories even more, it's a really easy way to get more in. So I want to ask you about just like you're putting pictures of yourself out there, like you have no shirt on, like you have all of your muscles showing. And for some people, that's like their worst nightmare to have their picture out there for everybody to see and everybody to maybe even judge. So like, how do you deal with that? Because for me, I would feel really self-conscious because I'm insecure about the way that certain parts of my body look. So how do you deal with people always looking and judging and watching how your body physically looks? Mm. Yeah, it definitely messes with your head a lot. The first thing that I often think about is not myself, but it's like I don't want to perpetuate unhealthy body image to dudes out there because there's so many pressures already for guys and girls to look a certain way that when I go and I find, like all of us do, find like good lighting for your picture and you put a bit of a filter on it and you try, you take four or five or however many and you take the best one and it's like you put the best one out there and you know you don't look like that all the time, but here's your best foot forward for social media and then other people have to look at that and say like, man, maybe that's not like what my physique looks like or I've been working out for five years and I can't get to that level or whatever. Like, that's my biggest thing. I don't really care if people look at me and they're like, oh, look at the, you know, look at the pudge he has there. Or like, oh, he's not strong enough or whatever. Like, that's not really my biggest worry. That, like, I think more about perpetuating unhealthy body image first. But that's why I always make sure as part of my message, I say, hey, like, this is just what I do. And I just try to be the best version of myself possible in this way. But it doesn't mean that we don't need people out there who are the most articulate vegans and who are the most, you know, who are the best mountain biker vegans out there, whatever, right? Like, or whatever, even if you're not vegan, like we need people out there in all walks of life. So I always try and make make sure that I let people know that I'm not doing this because I think that this is the epitome of what all men should look like or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But beyond that, yeah, it definitely messes with your head because as guys, we always want to be bigger, 
but leaner. Like that's like the holy grail is like to be big and lean. And it seems like you can only have one <laughs> if you're doing yeah. it naturally. Like it's like pick one. Yeah, it's tough, right? You'll see like comments from people that are like, oh, this guy has like this muscle is really lacking on him, whatever. And that stuff eats into your brain and you think about it, right? Even as much as you try not to. So I just try and do my thing. It's hard for me because I, I really like to have a good balance of looking big and, and muscular, but then staying lean and also being like quite active and nimble and being able to do all the calisthenics like movements that I like to do. And it's a lot of hats to wear because the more muscle that you have, you know, the heavier you are, the harder it's going to be to do a lot of these calisthenics like holds and movements. But then you know, I want to be bigger and stronger so that I can kind of help to promote this message even better and just to find out what my natural potential is as well. So yeah, it's always kind of messing with me. And then in the same video, you get you get the same or or picture that I post, you get comments of people being like, oh, this is only because of steroids. And like, you got to punch people like, yeah, he's just because he's on steroids. And then you get other people that are like, yo, this guy doesn't even lift. Like, of course, he's vegan. Like, he doesn't even have any muscle. And like, so you just see this all from people in the same comment section. And you're like, which one is it? Like, am I weak? Or am I on steroids? Like, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, I mean, it would be really hard to just maintain self-esteem like and I, I think it's awesome that you're able to do that and you're able to keep perspective and the reason that you're doing it is just like amazing because you want to help other people yeah and definitely your vibe attracts your tribe and I found that so much like I have such supportive comments on all my videos and for every one bit of hate I'll get 99 likes or positive comments or whatever but you know as humans we're kind of programmed to allow that negativity to sit forefront in our mind and i don't know if that's a survival thing or what it is but it definitely does and uh yeah i feel it but what can you do i mean we you know i know that i put myself out there and a lot of the time when people have a problem with what you're doing or criticizing you it's often a reflection of themselves so i always just try and remember that awesome so if people are looking at your pictures they're like i want to be strong like derek where are some places people can start if they want to start with calisthenics? Because I, I actually am personally interested. I had um, Dr. Jen Esquerre on my show, and she does a lot of mm -hmm. mobility, but she her basis is in actually gymnastics and then calisthenics. And I thought, I want to start doing some of that too. So like, cool. can you give us some resources or references to where we can go start with that stuff? Yeah, definitely. Man, yeah, gymnastics is something that I wish I had been doing since I was a kid. Like, I look at the guys that are doing... So calisthenics, just for, like, any of your um, listeners out there that don't know, it's just, by definition, it's any movement that is, like, body weight movements. You know, body weight squats, pull-ups, push-ups, dips, those sorts of things are all calisthenics by definition. But then so is, like, walking, jumping, like, all that is kind of calisthenics as well by definition. And, and so is gymnastics. So... I never really followed anybody. I don't really know why. I didn't really find anybody that I liked what they were doing. But one of them was definitely Frank Medrano. He's a calisthenics, you know, mastermind. And he's been doing it for a long time. And he's really strong. He also eats a plant-based diet. And he was one of the first people that kind of motivated me. But he... He does his work. He shows his workouts and stuff a little bit, but he does kind of more just like really cool pictures of neat holds and and extreme like, you know, handstand push-ups on top of like a unstable ball <laughs> or something like that. And I was like, man, I I know he's not doing these as workouts. Like this is just like circus stuff that he's showing. This isn't really what he does. So, um I kind of developed my own thing and it was like really just based around the basics. And let me tell you, consistency is the number one key to get good at anything in life, right? Like I know you probably know it with your sport, but you have to be consistent with it. And it doesn't matter so much if you have the best bike or you have the best trail to train on or whatever. It's like as long as you're doing it consistently for long enough, like you'll get there. Right. So definitely like something that you can keep up for a long time. It's a slow burn. It's a definitely a race of endurance the longest race of endurance ever building muscle because there's no finish line. <laughs> like, you're not, yeah. you know, you're not going to get there because when you start building your muscle, you kind of start analyzing yourself more and being like, well, now my shoulders are going, but now my biceps look smaller. So you start working that up and then you're like, well, my tricep looks smaller. And then you're like, now my whole body just looks small. So you try, you know, it's like, it's never ending, but it's a good challenge. So for me, it was just the basics. And I really started with what I knew and what I liked to do. And that was like, yeah, just doing pull pull-ups, push-ups, dips, and then a lot of core work, like a lot of laying core work, leg raises, flutter kicks, 
any any of those sort of, they're kind of like Pilates kind of ab things, but uh, a lot of like the, the dragon flag was another one that I started to practice really early on. So yeah, it was really just that and just being consistent with it. And then once it started to get easy, I started to realize that like, I have to make this harder for myself. So when pushups got easy and I was able to start doing more than, you know, 15, I realized I got to you know, get the number of reps down a little bit. So I would make it harder for myself and whether that meant like putting on a backpack with a bunch of like books or some plates of weights in it, or just like elevating my feet. So that I was at a different level. Like I did it on a real grassroots level when I was first starting out. Like I literally had an old skateboard backpack that I'd had since I was a young kid. And that's what I started to use as like my extra weight for when I started to do weighted dips and um, pull-ups and that. And that's really when I, I, my body changed a little bit when I started to do calisthenics, but then I quickly adapted and it was like the movements were fairly easy because I was so lean and like light already that my body, the strength was, was there because I just wasn't that, that heavy, but I knew I had to trick my body into thinking that I was heavier in order to help put on more muscle. So That's why I started doing weight added calisthenics and putting like plates in the backpack or books or whatever, sand, whatever I could find. And then continuing my workouts like that, trying to keep the rep ranges low, somewhere between eight and 15. I know that's a big rep range, but um, yeah, I tried not to go too much over 15 and, you know, nothing less than eight. I'm laughing because a couple of winters when I was living in Colorado, I was like, I'm going to get really good at climbing this winter. And I, I would take a backpack and I would do the same thing. I put books, sand, like whatever heavy things I'd actually put like hand weights, like 10 pound, like little like hand weights in my backpack and just ride up the hill with all this extra weight, which I actually don't recommend that because it just makes me really tired. Is that? Um, (laughs) Oh, it was brutal. That's like, uh, so that's climbing on your bike. I thought you meant like climbing, climbing. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's hard. (laughs) No, uh, just like to increase like your, your strength to weight ratio. But yeah. Yeah. So to build muscle, you need to keep the reps low, but say somebody just wants to get stronger, but not build muscle, which is kind of like the vibe on the endurance athletes were like, mm. well, I want muscle, but I don't want too much muscle. Cause then I have to carry it uphill. Like, yep. do, should people keep the reps? Like say, instead of doing 15 pushups, be doing like 30 or 40. Yeah. I mean, I suppose like, of course, you know, training for the task or the, or the sport at hand is like always the, the smartest, right? But then I guess, yeah, some cyclists want to have like some muscle in their upper body, you know, maybe more than cycling would provide, but then not get bulky, right? And I know a lot of girls, like they don't want to start lifting weights or whatever, because they don't want to like bulk up or get bulky. It is so dang hard to build muscle, at least for me, that it's like, man, that is should not be a worry for anybody. Like you got to try so dang hard to build muscle. So yeah, I mean, of course, like higher reps can help, but I think you could build some really good strength without putting on size by lifting like some heavier weights for sure. And you're not going to put a ton of weight on doing that unless you're really focused on doing that, like eating in a surplus and really working out for, you know, an hour and 10 minutes, an hour and 30 minutes every day with the focus of putting on muscle. Like if you're just doing some overhead presses a few times a week and, and some bicep curls and, you know, more pushups, you may tone your body a bit, but you're not going to, I don't think you're going to add enough weight to really negatively affect your cycling too much. Awesome. Well, that is so much information and really great information, but I kind of feel like we've just sort of scratched the surface if people are looking (laughs) and going this direction. So where can people get a hold of you if they want to have you as a coach? Oh, wow. Cool. I like that segue. (laughs) So I'm actually not doing one-on-one coaching anymore. I stopped doing that a little while ago because it just became too much for me to do my like the YouTube and then all the social media as well. And once I started to bring out like eBooks and a lot of my followers requested clothing. So now we have like some clothing and stuff out there as well. That's really good. um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty fun. I don't know. I'm not quite doing the the designs that I want yet, but we pulled the Facebook group and all that and we're giving them what they want first and then and then I come second. But it's a lot to manage and I, you know, I have my girlfriend helping me with it and I, I quickly realized like I said at the beginning that it was better for me to sort of do this to help more people than it was to just continue to do the one-on-one coaching because I was so capped at how many people I could help there. Yeah. So as far as like like my YouTube channel, it, it, everything's just under my my last name, Simnet, S-I-M-N-E-T-T. I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes, Simnet Nutrition. And you can find me on YouTube or on Instagram as well. Those are the two big platforms. I'm on Facebook a little bit as well, but mostly just in sort of our private Facebook group that we have. Sounds something similar to what you run as well. Awesome. 
Well, thanks so much. And yeah, I mean, there's so much information and so much free information that you're putting out there. So I definitely encourage people to go check that out. And thank you, Derek, for coming on the show. I mean, I really appreciate your time and also all the amazing things that you're doing, all the information you're giving and all the inspiration showing people that you can be a complete badass and eat a plant-based diet at the same time. Cool. I like that. Thank you so much. And to you as well. You're out there motivating and empowering people. We're all just doing the same thing, but, uh, you know, through different avenues. And it's really awesome to get to connect with you. So thank you. And thanks everyone out there for listening. He is a rad dude. And I'm so thankful that I had the chance to talk to him. He actually lives in BC as well, so I'm hoping that I get the opportunity to connect with him in person sometime. And I'm personally interested in changing up my core workouts. It's something that I'm gonna be doing in a wellness challenge that I'm going to be releasing any day now. A lot of times we get stuck in the same routine, like plank or or like bicycle crunches, and it's fun to see what other people are doing, especially people from the calisthenics world. Again, you guys are invited to the Plant Power Tribe Facebook group, a free Facebook group where we share information on health and wellness. And it's really fun to see everybody there. Thanks again for screenshotting the show and sharing it with your friends and for being here every single week and being a part of my community. I really appreciate it. I have so much gratitude for you guys. I'm wishing you all the best success in your training and adventures. And we'll see you back here next week.